This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. Greetings for Author Talk. This is J. Douglas Barker. Our book today is titled The Laws of the Bosses, The Roadmap to the Realm of Power. And our author, who is joining me from Nigeria, is uh, our author who goes by the name of Tilawan. And also SST. I'm not sure which one is per- is correct, sir, but welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. Is Tilawan the best way to address you, sir? Well, Tilawan is okay. Uh, or SST. SST is, is, is my initial... Is oh, your, you can call me SST. SST. All right, sir. Well, thank you for joining me today. I know that uh, it's difficult to schedule some of our appointments when our authors are overseas, and uh, you're in Nigeria, so it's a little bit later in the day than than typical. Tell me about your book a little bit, The Laws of the Bosses, The Roadmap to the Realm of Power. How did you come up with this title, and what is the reason the book was written? Well, the book, I think the title says a lot about the book. It's talking about bosses in every space of life. Uh, you know, we have leaders, we have everything, but in a way, everybody that's in charge of an establishment is uh, in control of people, is a boss in, some, in, in one way or the other. And I try this a book that I drew from teachers of experience, from reading other people's personal experiences, studies, and uh, observations of the happenings within our modern society and how things go about. The whole essence of the book is to kind of educate readers, especially young readers, people in business, people in politics, in other states of life, on how to assess the intrigues of leadership, how to manage power when it's given to you, how to acquire it. Well, it's in line with uh, how to be a better person, yes, yes. Because if you are an administrator, you are, a, you are starting to run your business, you need to know all these things. They, they matter a lot of things. So the book is very interesting. It's educating. It's entertaining. I try to make it as simple as possible. And, uh, and also I try to make it as funny as possible so as to give a lot of examples. A lot of examples. A lot of analogies, a lot of happenings that are included in the book of Ascent of Then, just to give them ideas, a wide range of uh, knowledge on what I'm trying to talk about. Now, so do it's, a, it's a very nice book, if I can say. What is, what is your uh, experience in business that relates to the writing of your book? Well, um, the book is not only on business. Good. It's on leadership. Leadership. Basically leadership. Leadership covers almost every space of our life. There's uh, any kind of leadership we are talking about. Business is basically basic. It has a fundamental element attached to leadership. And these elements are expressed in every step of leadership, whether it's in business, whether it's in uh, personal management, whether it's in the public service, in the military, in the religious organizations. Leadership has a fundamental basis. And these are what they call the laws. When you follow the laws, 
they apply to every boss wherever a company says. I'm talking about my personal experience. I'm a researcher. I'm a reader. I'm a. I've been in charge of men for long when I was in the military for years. So I have a lot of experiences. I've run. I've served under people. I've seen people that serve under people. I grew from years of experience of other people. So it's a collection. It's a compendium that deals with almost every facet of human endeavor that you can think about. But leadership is fundamental. It has certain laws. When you apply it, it doesn't matter which kind of uh, vocation you are engaging, you find that it works. You, it really works. You also have, have some ideas. This will also help, uh, I guess, an individual who is not necessarily in leadership but wants to be in leadership. Yes, 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 yes. You know, uh, everybody is in two. You are either in leadership or you are in subordination. subordination. That means you are answerable to a leader. Isn't it? Right. And if you're, yes, in, yes. If, you, if you're in subordination, you can learn from some of the tools and some of the ideas that you have written in your that book. That will make you to be a leader. Yes. This is my aim. My aim is to lead a person from subordination to leadership. Wonderful. So when you understand what this is all about, you understand what subordination is all about, you understand the linkage that will take you from being a subordinate to being in charge of your organization, in charge of your nation, in charge of your uh, business. So it's a fundamental law that you go about it. It gives out also the subordinate and the leader. And so when your subordinate goes through the book, he learns a lot, he sees how he's it, a better subordinate. And I, did, and I believe the aim of every subordinate is to be a leader someday. You, you want to take over from the boss one day. Yes. So, by understanding the laws of the bosses, you know how you can be a boss tomorrow from the way you start. And when you're a boss, how you can be able to manage power to its full benefit. You also, I believe, are viewing this from maybe some different cultural uh, advantage points, like Chapter 18. The heading is Meeting the Boss, but the subtitle is When You Hunt, Let the Game Come to You. Yes, yes. How does that apply to my life as a uh, subordinate? Well, you know, the subordinate definitely is a hunter. Isn't it? Yes. Well, it's a hunter that does not express itself as a hunter. You are interested in one day uh, replacing the boss, substituting the boss, being a boss yourself. You are interested in occupying the seat that a boss occupies one day. Either he goes, he retires, or he fails by nature. You are interested in being there one day. But bosses by nature don't like to give power to people that are overtly interested in, the, in, in their positions. So if you don't know how to play the game, you may, you may lose the seat. You are after the game. You are a hunter. You are a hunter. You want the position. Yes. But you don't overtly express your ambition. You can't get it. There are other ways that you can that, that you can apply, which you put in a better position of one day inheriting that position that you're after, achieving that position you're after, then if you go overtly and pursue it. You have, uh, I hope you understand that. Yes, you have taken uh, not only the uh, aspects of Nigerian culture and incorporated those into your book, but you have done a wonderful overview of cultures throughout the world. You have uh, you have uh, reflected on the history of the Jewish nation. You've reflected on the history of the Nazis in World War II. You have a very broad perspective on how leadership should apply and the law of the bosses. Yes. 
Yes, yes, I did. 246 pages. In addition to those who are in leadership, who did you hope to reach with your book? Well, actually, it's not. It's mainly for those that are in subordination because they want to be leaders, isn't it? Yes. Yes, young men want to leave school, seek a profession, and reach the top. Everybody wants to reach the top of his chosen vocation, isn't it? You have. And the people at the top, they want to be better bosses. They want to be better leaders, so as to maximize. The, the inherent benefits in being at the top. So it applies to both. It applies to both. Applies to both. You. If you understand how the leader is, tomorrow you are going to be a leader also. So when you reach there, you'll be a better leader. If you're a leader, you know how a leader should be, how a boss should be with his subordinates, it will make you a better boss. So it applies to almost all categories of people. Any Anybody, it will interest anybody. It's open to everybody's interest. It's a it's an interesting book because you also, as you mentioned, included some humor and humorous uh, viewpoints. <laughs> Chapter twenty: yes. the, the boss and the power of body language, and the subtitle on that is "Hips Don't Lie." That's a uh, a, a humorous approach to getting people's <laughs> attention. Uh, what, yes, yes, what, yes. what do you? How would you introduce this book to someone in a couple of sentences and get them interested in getting a copy of the Laws of the Bosses: The Roadmap to the Realm of Power? Yes, it is interesting. It is educative. It is hilarious, and it teaches you all you need to know. Most of what you need to know, because nothing has all the information you need in the world. Most of what you need to know in being a better worker, a subordinate, wherever you are, and one day be at the top of wherever you are. It teaches you what you need to know to progress in life, to reach the top of your choosing vocation. Wonderful. You uh, must have had some challenges. I'm getting the impression that English is not your primary language, but this is an English-speaking book. Were there challenges in getting your thoughts from a different cultural background into English and getting this book presented and completed? Well, well, uh, English is our linka franca here. Officially, English is the, the language you speak right. in Nigeria. Yes, wonderful. Yes, yes. officially English is the language you speak. You, we, from schools, outside, everywhere is English. So English is not is We are comfortable with English, at least the English you speak here. And, you know, every good book goes into a lot of editors, readers, other contributors. So it's a book that took six years to come out. So it was, I will not claim total ownership of the book because it is my work that was also contributed by a lot of people all over the world. Editors out in, in, in the U.S., readers in the U.K., friends around here in the academia. A lot of people went through it, had their own contribution before we arrived at the book that we have now. Wonderful. At 246 pages, I think it's a very instructive and important read for anyone who wants to be in leadership. And I know this has been a challenge for you because of scheduling to to visit with me today from Nigeria. Telewan, how do we get copies of your book? Well, presently, the book is on Amazon.co.uk. It's on AutoHouse, uh, I think, website sales. I'm still trying to look for a traditional publisher. Very fine. So as to make it, 
so and make it as available as much around the world. But I believe that anybody that goes to the book will understand that it is a masterpiece. That I'm sure traditional publishers, if they key in and uh, try to publish the book, they will really make a good game for him because it will, it will have a wide readership. Thank you again for joining me today. Again, the title is The Laws of the Bosses, subtitled The Roadmap to the Realm of Power. The author yes, yes. goes by the name of Tilawan, which is his last name, T-I-L-A-W-A-N, if you want to do a search online. And also, we can refer to you as SST. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful. For Author Talk, this is J. Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. Our author joins me from Great Britain today to discuss a book titled Stretchers Not Available, The Wartime Story of Dr. Jim Rickett. The author, John Rickett, joins me today. Welcome, sir, to the program. Hello there. Hi. The story is about someone that you are, I guess, familiar with. Tell me a little of the background of Dr. Jim Rickett and who he is to you. Well, he was a he was a medical doctor, and he he was um, he was in practice near Portsmouth. Portsmouth was um, was tar- the big naval base, and it was targeted for, by the Germans to destroy the naval base during 1940, when the the bombing on the coastal towns was intense. And being a GP, he had to sort out the problems of the casualties of the civilians. And he was rather deprived of his colleagues who had been called up into the army. So he had to get on and um, work by himself and sort the problems out. It's, he was thrown in at the deep end, as it were. And he he was uh, en- enlisted, or did he enlist, or was he was he uh, forced to join in into the, uh, the the military action at that time? Well, the first of all, he was he was required because of the bombing and the casualties at home were were serious. He was he had to continue to do his work amongst the civilian population. But when the bombing died down, as it did in 1941. 
Then he uh, he offered to um, join to to a call up, and he was eventually called up into the army, um, and he um, he served initially in Africa, but then um, he went sent to the island of Vis, which is in the Adriatic, and the, the the major part of the book is set in in the Adriatic, where he had to set up uh, a hospital at uh, at very short notice uh, behind enemy lines and was deprived of proper support. Um, that's why it's called the stretchers not available. When he wired for uh, 200 stretchers to deal with an emerge, a big emergency, uh, they, they wired back stretchers not, repeat, not available. Wow. And um, th- so he was on his own. And he was behind enemy lines, you say? He was. This is the only island in the Adriatic that was occupied by, by UK, and it was taken over by the commandos. And so my father, Jim Rickett worked with the commandos and cooperated with the Tito's um, um, uh, partisans to set up the hospital. And um, they were inundated with work, and that uh, they used an incredible um, ingenuity and um, and resourcefulness to get the whole thing all on the road. It's really quite a remarkable story. And was it a mobile uh, re- a mobile hospital, or was it a permanent? No, it wasn't. It was a, he he had to find a building, and they did so. They found a, a building high up on the mountain, away from the uh, the, the, the the center of population, which were gonna, which were going to be bombed on the island by the Germans. And so he uh, he found a, a deserted uh, building up high on the mountain and set up the hospital there. And he had to. Um, he had to barter for uh, for tents. He had no tents, but they managed to get some boots from um, uh, which were intended for the partisans, and they bartered um, for tents. But we were swapping the the boots for tents, and so it was ingenuity <laughs> in a in a situation you wouldn't see in a modern war- warfare now. And you have uh, been able to retell this story because he shared them with you. Many of the veterans of World War II didn't like to talk about their experiences. Did Dr. Jim share a lot of the insight in addition to what you have in the book? Well, yes, uh, he... He well, when he came back from the war in 1946, he didn't like to talk about it very much. But we persuaded him to write it all down, and it's this account, which is a first-hand account, and is this account which is, forms the basis of this incredible story of setting up the hospital on this island of Vis. 285 pages. That is a lot of memories that are being shared in this book. What is the I guess the underlying thought in your putting this together, why did you choose to tell his story? The story is is not one of daring do. It is one of incredible uh, incredible ingenuity and incredible um, endeavor in in an almost impossible situation. And it's it's there were lessons learned, uh, and I felt these lessons should be should be told as an archive so that people wouldn't make the same mistakes again. For instance. The, the the telegraph situation was poor, and um, 
they were they when they wired for uh, to warn the the the, the island of Vis that they were going to be inundated. Uh, with uh, with uh, casualties, that message went astray, and it, due to poor uh, intercommunications with, on the on the radio network, and these lessons are told as they are, which is why the book is a real honest account of a, of a war situation. In telling your story, or telling your father's story, Doctor Jim Rickett. Is there one particular instance that to you was startling as you were hearing the story or reading it once again from his accounts? Well, there was a, there was some of it is there's there's quite a lot in it that is of great interest, showing the relationship of the partisans and uh, how that they worked with the partisans and the, the how the partisans. <laughs> Um, were trained for war, which was really quite amusing because they were so incredibly um, poor, badly trained. But one of the one of the incidents that um, um, st- stands out in my mind is that the, the seriousness of the casualties were brought in. There was one chap who was brought in, having been wounded 48 hours previously, and he was in a pretty poor way. And when my father asked him to undo his tunic, he found that he'd had a serious abdominal wound and nine, seven feet of intestine were lying inside his shirt. Oh, my. And, um, and my father then had to take him in and, and sort him out. Um, it's, it's, so it's a little bit uncomfortable reading, but it's a real story of what happened. Your father also, you have also included some, I would call them diary or perhaps personal letter content in your book. One of the uh, sign-offs on one of these pages and one of these notes from the 30th of June, 1940. It was 11.55 in the evening, and your father signs off by saying this, Give my love to the children. I'm tired and must go to bed now to face the deluge tomorrow. And love from your James. So was this a common occurrence? Late hours, late notes, Oh yeah. Well, this was 1940. This was um, when he was working in England, uh, working as a as a doctor, and uh, working late uh, due to uh, the call up of his colleagues, and so he was having to sort out the civilian problems. And um, yes, he he was under a lot of pressure at that time. You've included also some famous quotes from Churchill, one that a lot of my listeners will have uh, been familiar with. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. Uh, yeah, that a, was a startling the, comment. That was the Battle of Britain, um, the, the, the comment on the Battle of Britain by Winston Churchill to, re, to try to, to restore morale. And um, it was a serious moment in the war. Um, and uh, Churchill himself, at least in his early education, was considered to be an individual that had no chance of success, and yet he survived some major 
incidences in his life in conflict in World War One and survived to become prime minister just for that particular time. Oh, it yeah. was a fascinating story, his life as well. And this is intertwined with those historical moments. In the 245 or 285 pages that you have penned, if you were to introduce this to someone and get them interested in purchasing a copy, how would you do so? Well, the... Um it, I mean, the, the story is, uh, is, is it, it relates on the island of Vise, it brings in uh, the um, Marshal Tito, who, who was in charge of the partisans, and Tito arrived on the island, and uh, during the time my father was, Jim Rickett was there. And, uh, of course, Churchill was talking to Tito, and the story of Tito's arrival on the island is quite an exciting one. He had to escape from a cave on the uh, Yugoslav mainland and was flown out to, to, to Vis in the night. And he lived in a cave on the island of Vis where he conducted the war for, the, the, to do with the partisans from that to headquarters. What do you... It's really a quite a remarkable uh, first-hand story of somebody who was there telling the, 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 the war story as it really was. Are there other books that perhaps give this type of personal insight that you've come across in the marketplace, or is this one unique from your perspective? Well, quite frankly, this one, this this book is is unique. There are quite a lot of stories that are uh, daring do type of stories. People have picked on uh, very brave people, and they tell the story of 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 the great achievements that they made. But this is a story of a wartime experience, which um, there are criticisms you can make of the administration of the army uh, of the army in not supporting them and it's a, the, the incredible ingenuity and sheer hard work of this unit they were absolutely inundated with work um, at this makeshift hospital and what they achieved was saved many 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 lives you've also included some wonderful photos that are reminiscent of the era and uh, footnotes that underscore the historical texture or historical context of the uh, of the story that you're sharing. This is a great book, and I would recommend it to anyone who has an interest in World War II, its history, and also the life of a man who, against all odds, was able to succeed. Stretchers Not Available is the title, The Wartime Story of Dr. Jim Rickett, my guest who has joined me from Great Britain, John Rickett. John, where do we get copies of this book? Well, you can order them through through Amazon, or you can get them direct from the from the publisher, which is Author House. That is www.authorhouse.com, and um, they will supply them direct at a at a at a good uh, at a cheaper price than than you buy them in the in a bookstore. They also can do a, a research or do some searching online under your name, John Rickett, and find this book, Stretchers Not Available. Is there another book in the future, perhaps, John, or is this the book that you had to write? 
this is a book that I had to write. I am working in other areas, but um, not in this context of of war. Though I have been tempted, but um, but 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 um, the uh, it is. The research needed on writing a book is very considerable, as I found when I was writing this book, Stretch is Not Available. Have there been any positive reviews about this book, Stretch is Not Available? Blue Ink described this book as an emotionally powerful book, which is lighthearted at times and uh, an incredible story uh, with showing logistical nightmares and the the book itself and I quote Blue Ink pulls no punches in in telling the story of this war. John, thank you for sharing insight into the historical background and also the personal insight into the book titled Stretchers Not Available, the story of your father, the wartime story of Dr. Jim Rickett. Thank you, sir, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings from Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Hannah Was Here, and the acronym DRESS is subtitled on the cover. An alarm must be heard. Author and mom who joins us with a cautionary tale. Nancy Sakachi joins me from California. Nancy, thank you for joining us and sharing your story. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. This is an important book because it is the life story or the story related to one of your family members. Tell us about the story and the title, Hannah Was Here. Well, Hannah Was Here is is a book I wrote about an experience that we have with my daughter, Hannah. Uh, at 16, she went one time to a dermatologist, and she was asking to have, you know, kind of a medical facial just to get cleaned out. And before we knew it, we had a prescription for minocycline. And, oh boy, it's always something, isn't it, talking about it? Right. It, um, it, this is a common... When you really start to share, it is complicated, yes. Complicated, and it's also um, a commonly prescribed medication. It's, you know, what, what I ended up discovering that started my whole journey was that this widely prescribed antibiotic 
acne drugs causes something called dress syndrome. And dress syndrome is drug reaction, asenophilia, systemic symptoms, which means that you have an adverse reaction, a very severe reaction that often includes your organs from a regular medication. Um, and in this case, uh, dress was documented way before uh, Hannah had ever taken it, but it wasn't on the label for us to have read it. And what I realized later is that even if I had seen it on a label, I probably wouldn't have known what dress was. And I also found out over the years that not too many people do know what dress is, and they certainly don't know what drugs cause it. And um, as this as this evolved. You know, it honestly became a mission of how can I keep my mouth shut? How can I, when I know that 40 to 50 million uh, people, not just teenagers, people of all ages, uh, struggle with acne. 40, 50 million people will take some kind of, uh, you know, help, most of them prescription for acne. I also know that the acne medicines are, are approved by the FDA for moderate to severe which is, you know, which is when someone's really hurting inside. It hurts them to, to deal with this. They've tried everything. Nothing's working. In those cases, after exhausting everything, there, there are medications for people under those circumstances that really want to take the risk. But for my daughter, who had never even been to a dermatologist, who went for something else, who ended up getting a, a medication that turns out to be an antibiotic, which also, you know, ties into the whole superbug stuff, uh, that's going around. It was just, it just was mind blowing that um, there'd be that risk, and especially through me because um, right now I'm talking as mom and shaking, and and this is painful, but it has to be done. But prior to to going through this, you know, I'm I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm considered an addiction expert. And I have been helping people struggle with addiction almost all of my professional career. I had no idea that someone could give my kid a drug, you know, from a Stanford doctor that was for something that they were reassuring us a hundred times was safe for her that would not only kill her, but literally mutilate her. And, wow. uh, you know, I know that, that uh, if I'm going to tell this Truthfully, and if you're going to read the book, you really have to be prepared for real, real life because what really happened is is quite unbelievable, and um, and the fact that it did happen makes it so much more important for me to tell you because the bigger picture isn't it's the big picture is that there's a drug being given for mild conditions when it's not indicated for mild conditions to people who don't even need it half of half of people who get antibiotics in general don't need it there's articles every day about that that's a whole other issue but i just know that every day that somebody you know is is listening to their child and they're saying mom I'm sick of these pimples and you know i wasn't even that person we were just going for a medical facial. But I know there's real situations out there and parents want to be good parents and they want to listen and they want to be conscientious to their kids hurt, hurting inside and needs and acne comes up and they will take their child to this doctor and walk out, not just from dermatologists. In America, they give it to you from nurse practitioners, doctors, uh, dermatologists. I mean, in Europe, Minocycline cannot be used as a first line of treatment as of 2010 because they had so many adverse reactions that they decided to 
I use the word ban, but they ban it from first uh, line treatment. You can't even get it there. But the difference is that in America, we make money for drugs Mm -hmm. and we're greedy. And that's what went down. And so here I'm in in, uh, Paris meeting with Dr. DeCamps, who's a French expert. And he looks at me and a tear comes down his eye, doesn't want to have to tell me that in, in France, before my, a year before my daughter took this, and at the same time the FDA was investigating it, I'll finish that note because, you know, I have in the book the letter from Dr. DeCamps. When I left him in Paris, he sent me the actual, uh, you know, verbiage from the medical uh, document they get. And we translated it into English, and it just says, because of all the adverse and serious events and autoimmune and black thyroid, you know, it, it's just mind-blowing what this drug can cause. So to take it for a benign condition, such as pimples, it's outrageous. And, it, it, um, it is an inc- incredible what is uh, taking place in the medical community. There are a lot of uh, individuals who are having second thoughts about taking medicine on a uh, just prescribed basis and accepting everything that the medical community is passing along. Your daughter was on life support for a total of 102 days in addition to just the adverse reaction. There was some very deep, deep valleys that your family had to go through. In completing this book, you've uh, penned 278 pages. I'm I'm guessing, in addition to her story, there's a, some life lessons and also some research that's included in this. Oh, there, there's so many life lessons throughout the whole thing. Um, but, yes, when Hannah got the first symptoms, I, you know, it was a little over a month later that her heart failed right in the doctor's office. When we thought it was all over, that was when she actually died for the first time. And then um, she passed again on the way to the to Cedars and then lived 102 days after passing really 11 times total, uh, six minute once with a near-death experience that was the most powerful. For a family who who talks about these things openly, uh, you know, these weren't odd things to us. I almost trained my daughter to speak to me in case I passed, you know. Um, We all are very open to all of that. But Hannah, this is a side note, was very science-minded like her dad, and she just wasn't sure about it all. Uh, She was very skeptical, and she even writes about it. I don't believe in religion. I think it's stupid. It hurts people, these kind of things. And um, but when she passed for six minutes and they didn't have to drug her up immediately, which the difference is you don't remember when they have to drug you up because right. it, it actually takes away the trauma. But this time they didn't, and she was wide awake and calm as can be. And she looked at us and she said goodbye forever. Wow. I mean, it was it was just surreal. And I started to cry. And I said, "Oh no, honey, it's okay. You did pass, but you came back." You, you did pass. You absolutely did. And she looked at each one of us, turned her head, and she couldn't do these things easily. And her face was so calm, and she said no with her mouth, goodbye forever. And um, there's so much more to that, and I didn't even go into all of that in the book. I just gave a hint of it. But she lived another, you know, two months after that. Mm. And... Um, it was just quite extraordinary. But what was learned was, were some of the things that were just validated throughout my life that 
honestly, wherever I was, that is family. It wasn't. It wasn't hard. It's not hard for me to walk around my neighborhood and feel like everybody is my family, and it isn't hard for me to do it in the hospital, and certainly under those circumstances, watching people who are becoming doctors and nurses and people who are experts, watching everybody pull together. It had to have been 30-something people of all races and religions try to save this girl's life was incredible and what it's all about and, and over overrode all of these things that we struggle with so much in the world. But yes, there there has been great advantage in studying antibiotics and we're getting the word out about overprescribing them and that has to do with the superbug, which is not exactly dressed. The difference is that people who get dressed, like what happened to Hannah, she, she, it's got to be up there with one of the worst cases because the healthier you are, the worse it is for you. So because she didn't take antibiotics when she was young and because she was so healthy, her immune system, when it got the viral reaction from the drug-induced uh, dress, it really turned on her and she fought herself. She shut her own organs down. She so, um, so there is so much to learn. The doctors are the first to say it, that are the experts. But the regular doctors, the, the regular people, no one is really aware of this with minocycline. And I think if there was enough to shut it down in Europe without the money, then it's enough to shut it down here. Should be I shut down I couldn't do here. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I just, I can't, I can't fight legal for the rest of my life with everything I've been through. So I fought what I could. And the rest is about telling the people. And, and I think people are bright. And I think if they know something, it'll help. You've been, and you've been, I also know if I told them everything honestly and really brought them there, they would get it. And, and I feel like they are. But it's part of the bigger picture of us not, not taking drugs easy, not letting someone give it to us. Because I didn't take drugs easy. We didn't take anything in our family. And here, one time she did, and she's gone. What so is the what is the the uh, experience that you have uh, in your research in your discovery process? What is the commonality of uh, of this happening or the commonplace? I guess experience. Well, those are yeah. I, that's such a good question, and some of the stuff I can't say because I can't say it on the record. Sure. What I know because I right. can't cite my source, but I ha- I, I did have a source, and I. And I did find much more appropriate numbers that match why the FDA would even do their own research in 2010. And when they did, they found out that, yes, indeed, this drug causes black thyroid, stress syndrome, autoimmune, you know, on and on, thyroid, hepatitis, severe lupus. It's documented so far back, it's ridiculous. But they didn't take it off the market. My daughter's death is still not listed on the FDA side. I mean, we don't, we're not, the post-marketing is a lie. They're not telling us what they find out. The, the simplest way to say it is that we get it, we, we prove a drug is good enough. We get it passed. And now that research is sometimes tainted and, and it's a lie. What are you, you wanting? It, you get the, what are you wanting to accomplish get, by by telling her story, Hannah's story? Okay, so what I'm wanting to accomplish is to show people that if an addiction expert and therapist who's who loves kids more than anything, and whose husband is a teacher and a chemist, and who who are people who are conscientious, and we're really trying everything to take care of their children, if something like that could just slip in, then to me, I feel like it could happen to anyone. And I and, I, and now that I 
watched what it did by not leaving that room for 102 days. I watched what it did. There's no way I can I cannot let anybody at least have a chance to to understand that that drug is very dangerous and it's not necessary for pimples. And if your pimples are so severe and 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 the risk to benefit is really worth it, okay, you make an educated guess. But right now, you can ask a dermatologist and he'll tell you it's totally great and safe. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know it's banned in Europe. He doesn't know that dress has probably been put on the label because that goes through the pharmacy. They didn't even tell the doctors. They don't even have to tell the doctors. I mean, we have to look out for ourselves. That's what I want people to know. And, um, and that I, I know they love their families and their loved ones, and I know that at some time in their life, they're going to take an antibiotic, and they're going to take a prescription drug. Most people take... A, one in six or one in three take at least one, and one in six take three or more. That's our reality. The most important so, aspect of this, then, is be informed. Don't just accept everything on its face value when you're talking to a medical professional. That day is over. That's all yes. right. Absolutely. We, we no longer can just trust that our doctor knows. They don't. They really don't know. This is an important and, story uh, that you've told, an important, uh, I guess, warning for parents and caregivers everywhere. Hannah was here. Dress, an alarm that must be heard. Our author, Nancy Sakachi. And by the way, listeners, that last name is spelled S Z A K A C S Y. Sakachi. Nancy, where can my listeners get copies of your book? Oh, that would be wonderful. Um, they can find out the information on my dress page, which would help them too. And also, if they want to report a case, uh, it's dresssyndrome.org. D R E S S S Y N D R O M E. Dresssyndrome.org. And then you can see Hannah, and you can see why I wanted to memorialize her honestly, as I know. I know the listeners would feel the same had this happened. Um, just the two parts. One is I wanted to memorialize her honest. I didn't want her to die for nothing when she didn't do anything wrong whatsoever. And that left the culprit something other than her. And I think I found what it is. And that's what I'm trying to share. But it is bigger. It is the bigger picture of the pharmaceutical industry and also loving every minute we have because the what I have now is the memories that I had before. You know, what what we have is what what's right in front of us and even in the hospital that's what I tried to keep. I really tried to keep that moment, whatever it was, and not judge what it what it was, bad or good. But it was a moment that I got to have and that's what we all need to take to heart with our loved ones. Thank you, Nancy, for sharing this important and very personal story of Hannah's life. Hannah was here. Dress and alarm must be heard. Our author, Nancy Sakachi. Thank you for joining me today. Where can my listeners get copies of your book, in addition to where you've already mentioned? In, in addition to the website, they can get it at Author House, which is a great place to get it. Author House or Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Thank you again for joining me. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. 